It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Hi, welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue. I'm your host, Larissa. And I'm your host, Carrie. We have so much to get to today. Well, let's get right into it. I don't know if you remember the story, but I was very, I'm always very fascinated by stories where it's really, really super mystery of who did it. And the circumstances will be very unusual. So do you remember the case of in the Alps where the two parents, I think they were scientists from like Iraq. I think they were Iraq. They were Middle Eastern and they were with, I think the mother and like the two little girls. And they were, they were driving up the Alps to a scenic lookout point and they were brutally murdered. And the little girl was found God, I don't crouching in the back seat when they were shot up and, and also a person on a bike, a bicyclist. (laughs) Yes. I can't even say it. The wine's already kicking in. Uh, he got shot too. They think he might've been a bystander, but they were discovered by an ex SAS agent, which is special ops, like our version of special ops, the British. So they never caught them. It is so peaceful and beautiful that it's hard to imagine anything horrible happening here. But it did, and the effects still reverberate. September 2012, Saad Hilly and his family leave Surrey and come to Annecy on holiday. They camp, they swim, and then one day, mother, father and grandmother are all shot dead on a quiet woodland road, along with a French cyclist. The police arrive to find a hellish scene, bodies and bullet casings. The family car reversed into an earth bank in an effort to escape, but there was nothing here to identify the killer. The family's two young daughters survived, one stumbling around, badly injured, the other hiding in the car under a body. The police investigation grew and grew. Mr Al Hilly's brother was arrested, and then let go, and a hunt was launched for this man, a motorcyclist spotted near the scene. He was eventually found, questioned and released. But earlier this week, the same man was arrested once more, raising hopes of a breakthrough. Instead, he was released again. And so the spectre of unsolved murders still lingers over this area and its people. A British schoolgirl... So she was only seven when she was shot in the shoulder and beaten. Her father and her mother and her grandmother had all been shot along with this French cyclist. I'm sorry, she had been left for dead. And she remembers the white skin and bare hands of her attacker. Now, originally at the time, they thought that it was maybe something having to do with his Middle Eastern links, that this was a hit. She's now 16 and she still remembers seeing things and she remembers one bad man even what he was wearing wow and a former raf officer was the first i'm sorry i thought he was sas but he was raf was the first to discover for her she was staggering on a bmw car in an isolated country lay-by close to lake annecy in eastern france so a british dude found them which i thought was kind of odd that they happen to be british yeah they said that they were on holiday, enjoying a drive through the mountainous countryside by the village of Chavolin. They mm-hmm. got to the edge of a small road riddled with potholes, and Zanib got out of the car with her father. She recalled seeing cyclist Moliere, and while other members of the family were getting out of the car, gunshots rang out. Zanib, sorry if I keep pronouncing her name, was ordered mm-hmm. back into the car by her parents, but then the shooter grabbed the girl from behind. 
She mm-hmm. first of all thought it was her father, but then saw the white skin and bare hands of her attacker and realized it couldn't be him. She wow. struggled, but couldn't get out of the grip. According to her, the killer was wearing long trousers and a leather jacket. She was then pistol whipped and blacked out after suffering multiple facial injuries. She later made a full recovery and returned to the UK where she now lives. So were there two kids in the car? Yeah, there was a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. The seven-year-old was outside the car. And the four-year-old was undiscovered. Yeah, because I think what they did is pushed her under the seat in the back seat so she wasn't seen. But what was odd about it is that Mr. Martin, who owned a holiday home, at first thought he stumbled across a road traffic accident, but then saw the bullet holes and casings lying on the ground. Mobile phone reception was poor, so he had to cycle away to alert the police after putting Zanab in the recovery position. The Leprisian, which is like a Mm -hmm. publication, they obtained unpublished inquiry documents which suggest that the killer may have been unknown to all his or her victims. At first, they looked at his background. Was it because of what his career was, what his ties were? I don't Mm -hmm. think they ever really looked at it from like a hate crime perspective. I don't know if I ever told you about the case I have in Colorado with Oki. Do you you know that case? Who's Oki? I'm going to send you an episode. He's from Colorado. Mm -hmm. Rented out his place to someone who actually gave him a false name and a false identity. Mm-hmm. And the person right in the beginning of when he was supposed to be taking roommate ship, whatever you call yeah. it, Oki was found tortured and left for dead. And this guy, what they thought is he was a professional because of the way he was tortured. I'm dealing with the ultimate predator who goes by the alias Robert Cooper. When it comes to that small drop of blood, the DNA was tested for ancestral information. And it placed Robert Cooper's family lineage as possibly coming out of the Balkan region. Considering the unique aspects of how Al-Kite was bound, and there's a witness that detected a Romanian accent, there's a possibility that Robert Cooper is from overseas. Julie Quinn is a civilian intelligence analyst that is well-versed at developing cultural profiles Al-Kite's feet have been hit multiple times over and over again. I haven't seen that in a case before. There's a form of feet beating called falaka, which is actually pretty common in the Turkey. It's a way to extract information, and also it's a basically a beating to maintain compliance. Did you know what they would typically use over there for this falaka? Here's sort of an example of what it might look like. Well, this is fascinating to me, this picture right here showing this rod. Yes. Because what we have, the offender took all the knives out of the knife set from Al's kitchen and put those knives in the sink, filled the sink up with water and bleach, basically killing DNA. But also in that sink was the honing rod, which looks identical to this. Yep. It would be very comparable to the instruments they used when they carried out the falaka. Now, is there any other aspects, you know, what was done to Al that gives us greater insight into the offender, like maybe how he was bound, for example? The way he was bound is referred to as a hog tie. And it is very specifically linked to this group in Turkey called Turkish Hezbollah or Kurdish Hezbollah. It was, for lack of a better term, I'd say it was their signature. When I've heard the term Hezbollah, I've usually affiliated that with like the a group that is against Israel. Right, 
Uh, I think most people think of uh, Lebanon and the Hezbollah out of there. So there is no known connection. The term just means party of God. Their terror was exacted on other Turkish rebels. The hog tie is really practical. You can just sort of do it anywhere that you have the binding and that you're able to overpower the victim, you can use this method. And then also the feet are up, usually, which puts you in a good place for the feet whipping. And it, it's really an awful thing to do. Al's also got other types of incisive injuries from the knife, like the offender mm -hmm. is also doing additional tortures. Yeah. Now, is that also something that is on par with what we see from somebody from this region? Yes. So again, Turkish Hezbollah was known for its torture tactics, particularly with sharp instruments. Is this a group that the CIA, the FBI, if somebody is affiliated with that group is trying to get into the country, that there would be monitoring of this individual as they're coming in? This was the early 2000s. This is right when the world's changing, right? Yes. So I don't know if the same sort of databases and searches and, and sort of, you know, tracking of people were in place the way they are now. Robert Cooper is a sadistic offender. So if he's from the Turkish Hezbollah and is being asked to torture people and he's a sadist, that's heaven for him. When he's no longer in that environment, he now wants to relive that. That's fantasy because that's what he gets off on and that's what he's doing to Al. We have a witness in this case and she picked up a slight Romanian accent, you know, and of course I would normally be a little bit, you know, suspicious about is that real, but then initial DNA testing came back showing an ethnicity, possibly out of the Romanian area or that surrounding region. What I would say is maybe he's coming from Romania. There's a big flow of traffic from folks from here to Turkey, and there's two reasons that drive that. One is jobs, they go for industrial jobs, but also students who want to come to university in the Istanbul area. It's interesting because those are two ways that Turkish Hezbollah was recruiting. When Turkish Hezbollah got maybe too powerful, the government cracked down. That was in 2000. So many of the members are arrested and many of them flee. Our murder was 2004, is that right? So basically that's the end of the group, so to speak, and their reign of terror in this area. So where did all of those members go who weren't captured? We don't know. The fact that he was able to get false identification. He even waited till the, the fake phone he had. I guess after a month, they can't trace where it was bought. Mm -hmm. They think it was professional. And so it's kind of odd. Sometimes once in a while, you'll hear cases like this and you almost wonder. So who was Oki? Why did, why did he murder this They don't guy? know. They don't even know where this guy is. I'll send you the episode. Paul Holes looked into it. It's mm. really scary to me. And they feel like he probably did it almost as a practice or like a, he misses the torturing. So he did it for fun or did it to see if he could do it. Wow. Oh my God. Did Oki survive? Oh no. They found him in his basement. Tortured. Dead. Oh God. He was tortured yeah. for hours. <gasps> oh my God. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, and it oh. was like in Aurora, Colorado. It wasn't. Wow, that's so weird. Such an unassuming place. Yeah, so it just makes me wonder mm -hmm. sometimes if these are almost like practice hits or mm -hmm. just random. This is what I used to do. I'm going to just go do it today or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's crazy. So they, the case in France with the family, 
did the family have any ties to anything? Was that ruled out or there's just like a regular family, Iraqi family? They ruled that out. They to this day they still have no idea That's who. So strange. And now they have three suspects that they're looking at now, I guess just based upon what she said with the wow. white hands and the leather coat. Wow. I don't understand like how sometimes crimes can be so such a mystery until like 15 years later. French police have arrested a suspect in connection with the unsolved murder of a British family and a French cyclist in the Alps in 2012. Saad al-Hili, his wife Iqbal, her mother Suhaila al-Alef and cyclist Sylvain Mollier were found shot dead on a road near Lake Annecy. The family's two young daughters survived the attack. Madeline McCann. How old would Matt baffling? Yeah, how long would she be? It's taken this long to even narrow it down to someone who was clearly should have been a suspect from the beginning. Like it's a highly doubtful if, but if Madeline McCann is still alive, two weeks ago she turned nineteen. Of course, her parents, Jerry and Kate, cling to an infinitesimal hope she's out there somewhere. But 15 years on from the little girl being snatched in Portugal, the realistic view about her fate is far more pessimistic. That's not to say the mystery of what happened to her won't be solved though. Portuguese and German investigators are convinced they know who abducted Maddie. Their prime suspect is Christian Bruckner, a truly terrible piece of work. However, two years after revealing their suspicions about him, there's a tough question to ask. Why haven't they charged him with the crime? It just is, is amazing to me. I know the Algarve has a lot of visitors and a lot of expats and a lot of foreigners, but it's a small town. So why did were they not able to trace who was in that town sooner than... I mean, even when you check in the hotels, you have to give them copies of your passports and stuff. I mean, there's some sort of, yeah, feel like they, they, they focused in the wrong place for too long. We're kind of judgy on the parents or they were nervous of looking. Natalie Holloway. I'm still perplexed by that. Yeah. And I think Aruba and stuff did the same with, oh, he totally did it. But I'm like, where is her body? I think she left the body out in the water. They'll never, he's, we'll never see it. Get killed in prison or is he still in prison? He's still in prison. He had a baby and everything. What's his name again? Vandersloot. Vandersloot. Yep. in Vandersloot's wife says her husband was seriously injured in a stabbing at the Peruvian prison where he is serving time for murder. But a top prison official is calling her account an outright lie, according to reports. Lady Figueroa, the Dutch convict's wife, told RTL, a news group in the Netherlands that is also a CNN affiliate, that Vandersloot was stabbed twice. Jose Perez Guadalupe, the director of Peru's National Penitentiary Institute, which oversees the country's prisons, told a 24-hour television station that Figueroa's assertions were untrue and further labeled her a compulsive liar. Oh, mercy. Okay. Anything else you got, Missy? Chill, darling. Please, if you have Madeline, let her come home to her mummy, daddy, brother and sister. The story, or more accurately, nightmare of Maddie's abduction is frightening. In May 2007, she was grabbed from her family's holiday apartment in Praia de Luz, Portugal. At the time, her parents, Kate and Jerry, were eating dinner with friends in a restaurant just metres away. Do you think 
Madeleine was taken that night opportunistically or do you think it was planned? All the hallmarks of this case fit with an opportunistic. Most likely, she woke up, she walked out the back patio door and as she walks down the step and onto the road, that is where the opportunistic offender struck. Few people know the case better than former British detective Mark Williams Thomas. That's significant, isn't it? I mean, you're essentially saying that the reason she was taken, the reason that she was at that place at that point in time and the opportunity arose was because her mum and dad simply weren't there. Yeah, and it's incredibly sad and they have to live with that and the consequences of that for the rest of their life. The effort that's gone into searching for Maddie and finding the truth about what happened to her has been phenomenal. For many, it reached a conclusion two years ago with a stunning announcement. A German prosecutor, Hans Christian Wolters, told the world detectives had identified a prime suspect. The public prosecutor's office is investigating a 43-year-old German national on suspicion of murder. Today, the suspicion Christian Bruckner, or Christian B, as he's also known, abducted and murdered Maddie is even stronger. Where do you think Madeleine McCann was killed? In, in Portugal. There has never been any remains found, has there? It's, it's, uh, it's quite shocking to hear you say that. Because of the evidence we have, uh, she died in Portugal. Mark, as a suspect, Christian B ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't he? Absolutely. Vile, horrible man. He's got a predilection of offences against children. He seeks out children. Like everyone, Mark Williams Thomas wants the McCann mystery solved. But he's worried prosecutors have acted prematurely and that they simply don't yet have enough evidence to charge and convict Bruckner. In other words, as vile as it sounds, being a pedophile doesn't necessarily make him guilty. That doesn't make him the prime suspect in relation to Madeleine's abduction solely on the basis that he had a predilection for offending against children. What you need is direct evidence, and there is no direct evidence that places Christian B in Pride de Luz, albeit the German prosecutor has been very clear that he has got that evidence. When you put it apart, it doesn't exist. And let's be clear, this isn't just child abduction we're talking about. The Germans have absolutely nailed their tail on the donkey by saying Madeleine is dead was murdered in Portugal. Mark Williams Thomas says that after two years working on the case, police should have charged the prime suspect by now. That he hasn't been shows the weakness of the investigation. If you are so certain about this evidence, why haven't you simply charged him? Uh, we can only charge him when we were sure, but in this case, we need much more time, so some years, I think. Prosecutor Volters is steadfast. He wants it known evidence is being collected. The case against Bruckner is progressing. We, we want to make a serious uh, investigation and not a fast investigation. Great. If he's got a piece of evidence, if he's got that silver bullet that enables him to charge him, then get on and charge him. Frustration is an understandable emotion when Christian Bruckner's dossier of past crimes is revealed. He's a convicted pedophile, burglar, rapist and known user of child pornography. He's currently in jail for the violent sexual assault of a 72-year-old woman. The first significant clue was five years ago. 
there was some intelligence that came in in 2017, and this is Helga Bushing, and we know that he spoke to the German authorities and said that Christian B at a fair, as a music festival had told him that he was responsible for Madeline's disappearance. Manfred Seaforth visited Bruckner's farmhouse in Praia de Luz, just over a kilometre from where the McCanns were holidaying. Seaforth says inside they found videos that allegedly showed Bruckner sexually assaulting two unidentified victims. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Let's play a game, all right? On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, it's me again, and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now. Just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss Intrigue Pod. Follow us on Pinterest and Flipboard where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty, chronicles of interesting events in history, and of course, true crime. Lastly, check out our YouTube channel because everyone has one, right? That features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out Miss deeds and intrigue podcast.com but we don't have a complaints department just to give you a little heads up the podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast the information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites, and or from YouTube or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.